In August 2011, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton called for Syrian President Bashar al-Assad to step down for the sake of the Syrian people. What started as a brave stand against a dictator has morphed into a sectarian civil war with opposition forces becoming more radicalized, some of them would say infiltrated by extremist forces with links to al-Qaeda. The conflict threatens to destabilize the entire region and become a battleground for a proxy war, some might say, of competing interests. The question really is, uh, does Syria rise to the level that does require our attention? Uh, our assertion is that it is. What we are proposing is not 20,000 troops or 30,000 troops. What we are proposing is that we provide the aid, the military and humanitarian aid that the opposition needs to turn the tide right now in the fight around Damascus. And if necessary, to provide a no-fly zone in the north of Syria, which, which probably can be done uh, using anti-missile, anti-air assets that are already in place in Turkey. Uh, that, it seems to me, given the stakes in Syria, is not too high a price for the United States to pay. One of the reasons you cannot talk about Syria, you cannot talk about interventionism uh, or withdrawalism or isolationism or any of the words that are used these days without immediately bumping up against the idea that we can't afford to do it. You, all, you, all, no conversation about American foreign policy lasts five minutes without becoming a conversation about the American economic situation. And the first thing I want to say is that there is no light that this economicist interpretation casts upon this question. The correlation that certain people make, both economists and certain strategists or foreign policy people make, between our economic crisis and our strategic position in the world is not remotely as neat as they think it is. You, with the evidence of this is everywhere. Every time, you know, when the people in Iran take to the streets against a repulsive dictator or in, in, in Libya or in Tahrir Square, or when there's an earthquake in Haiti or when a reactor in Japan melts down, they don't all look to Brazil or India. They all come, they look to the United States. The question here tonight is can America save Syria? Only the Syrians can save Syria. America cannot nation build in the Middle East and should not get in the middle of a sectarian and ethnic war. We've tried to do that twice in the Middle East and it's ended in tears. We've spent over a trillion dollars in Iraq and Afghanistan. We've tried to pick winners, Shalabi, Karzai. We haven't been happy with them. We don't know how to do it. Syria is going to be long and tough, but we cannot unradicalize Syria. The argument that if we'd gone in first, it wouldn't have become radical is a false argument. It's not a question of saving Syria. It's not a question of should we or, or could we? we. We, the truth is, even if we could, we shouldn't because the expenditure of resources that we would need to um, put into this enterprise would far exceed, in my judgment, our capacity to actually succeed. We are emerging from the two longest wars in American history, where in my judgment, Victory was determined by, never by when could we win, but by when could we leave. And extrication is not the metric that you want to evaluate and judge the performance and behavior of the most consequential power on Earth. Nobody is suggesting nation building out of whole cloth. We are not demiurges. We don't go around creating nations. We are talking about a nation in which there, are, there was already a democratic revolt. We are talking not about 
creating democracies, but about assisting indigenous Democrats in legitimate rebellions against hideous dictators. The notion that we are going to find the Democrats in Syria and put them into power is a false notion. We have tried with the opposition first to find the Syrian National Council, which, which is a bunch of liberals, mostly, you know, we would like them to be Harvard education, educated, and glue them on top of what is becoming an ex increasingly a very violent and Islamist uprising. Democracy is not going to be the outcome. We can see it by looking at the militias. The strongest, most able militias are the Islamic Front. Well, no oppositions have their act together before they get support. And if you look at any dissident movement or opposition force in any country, they're always, they're always a mess until somebody starts actually helping them. Um, we, it's absolutely true. We have a less chance of finding the kind of people we want and strengthening them than we did six months ago. And we had a better chance six months before that. And we'll have less good chance six months from now. So as long as we keep debating, ultimately this will be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, you mentioned, Josh, we shouldn't topple Assad and destabilize Syria. Uh, the outcome eventually is going to be a toppled Assad and a destabilized Syria. And we are going to have, in the meantime, another 100,000 dead, another half million refugees, and then we get precisely the outcome that you don't want us to do anything to lead us to. And what do we do then? What is the policy then? What is the policy when, when Assad who refuses to go down without fighting to the bitter end, uses the chemical weapons in his arsenal. What is our action then? Are we going to be drawn in then? And then we'll face all these same problems that you're talking about. Come on. We get ourselves into trouble, Bob and Leon, when we, when, we, when we commit two sins for great powers. One, the sin of omnipotence. We somehow think we can do everything. And the other is the transgression of omniscience, that somehow we believe that we know everything. The debate between us has to do with the provision of military assistance and the construction of a new fly zone. My point, that is the debate here. Let's not moralize this or turn it into a, a, a morality play. That's the question. Now, let me just say something about democracy because I, I think we have to be clear about who's suffering from the sin of omniscience here. You seem to know who is capable of democracy and who is not. And we have been hearing about this for decades. Tell it to the Indians what per capita income you have to have in order to be able to have a democracy. I have been hearing for decades that Asians, for a variety of reasons, were not capable of democracy, that Catholic countries were not capable of democracies. And apparently the last acceptable group of people who are not capable of democracies live in the Middle East. They're not capable. Um, I'm not prepared to make that judgment yet. I'm prepared to give it a shot. But the question that Leon and I keep asking you is, what is the outcome that we're going to get when we do nothing? Is that an outcome that we are going to be able to tolerate? I think America needs to do a lot more, but I don't think that we can solve or save Syria. The entire region is going through a tremendous revolution and change. And America is finding itself on the sidelines. We are finding ourselves on the sidelines in Egypt, Tunisia, Libya, and we cannot pick who is going to be the winner. We can be there with help. We can be there with aid, and I think we should be there with much more. We should help with education and the things that America does best. But to say and to try to treat the Middle East as if we can pick the winners and put them up at the top, I think is 
only going to be a disservice to America. It's going to be a big sink of money, and we'll end up not getting the people we want on, on top. And that's what we're seeing today, is that people that haven't been close to America are coming to the top, and it's their time, and they are going to find a way to build, hopefully, a better society for themselves. America cannot choose George Washington for somebody else. The Syrians are going to have to find their own George Washington, and that's going to come out of this maelstrom of national revolution. But they will find, hopefully, their leader that will, that will lead them towards a better future and hopefully a democratic future in the long run. I think that in order to prevent the jihadists from taking power, in order to prevent Assad from using chemical weapons, and in order to stop what is genocide that is taking place there, and, and fourth, in order to assist the forces whom we can support, who exist, we did not invent them, they're actual, they're real. In order to accomplish these four objectives, I would arm the secular opposition. I would do everything we possibly can for the, 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 to, to make the council more effective, more sophisticated. They have to be able to show that they've got to deliver something to Syria. Um, I would, I, would, I, would, I, would, I would arm them, I would help the council, I would, do, I would provide a safe haven, and I would continue to make the promotion of democracy or secularization or progress, call it whatever you want, but wh whatever the long-term outcome that we desire, I would begin to devise a long-term historical strategy that allows us to stay with this struggle and not, not do it in this manic depressive way that we always, that our interventions <laughs> are always conducted. The fact is Aaron and I are at the end of this debate in complete agreement over what should be done over the next six months. We should provide uh, more effective, uh, some and effective military assistance to the opposition group. Uh, we should, in my opinion, uh, have uh, use our capacities in Turkey for to, to put together a no-fly zone, for which we will have a lot of support from France and, Na and many NATO countries as well as Arab countries. Uh, and yes, let's see what happens. That's, that's, that's the way things work. We don't have a way of knowing what happens if you press one button. We're going we're gonna to see what happens. But let me just end by saying, Let's not make an argument futility based on the record of past futility, which is what you're essentially saying, Aaron. We did not do what we should have done in Egypt. Yes, we did, some of us did press the administration to get Mubarak to conduct reforms which might, in fact, have allowed a more smooth transition to democracy, and they didn't do it, and this is the outcome we're getting. That is not an argument for never doing anything because we never can do anything. It's an argument for doing what you can do in time. In, for the last 20 years, we've been not, I won't say failing, we've been not succeeding in war making or peacemaking in this region, in my judgment. And Bob, the, the framework, the frame of reference is that frame of reference. I'm not going back in, in time. America has had consequential foreign policy moments, and we've been quite effective. In my judgment, General Scowcroft is sitting right here, uh, and he won't disagree with me. The last effective foreign policy we had in this country, the truly last effective foreign policy, with all its imperfections, was Bush 41 and Jim Baker. Because the relationship between the ends and means made sense, because they didn't overreach, because ideology principle was important, but they steered clear of straight-jacketed ideologies. I frankly, and I've worked for the last three administrations, I do not have the level of confidence, I'm sorry, and have not had the level of confidence in this, and I've worked for, I've worked for half a dozen secretaries of state. I don't know whether we're up to managing what it is you are suggesting, and I'll concede to you, 
buffer the, buffer the neighboring states, try to create a transitional government that we can actually recognize with a Syrian prime minister, do much more on the humanitarian side, plan for the chemical contingencies, and yes, reluctantly think about what we can do to see if we can't somehow, without getting ourselves immersed in Syria, test your proposition. Go ahead and test it. But at the end of the day, sorry, Lise, last comment. This Arab Spring, or whatever it is, is authentic and legitimate because the Arabs, for the first time in, their modern, in the modern period, actually own, for better or for worse, their own politics. We are not a part of that, and neither are the Israelis. And that, to me, frankly, over time is hopeful, but it is going to take time. And if we can facilitate it, fine. I just don't want to see the United States fail again.